Thanks for joining us on the Authentic Church Podcast. Let's jump right into this week's message. Isn't it funny that we have to remember to rest? Isn't it funny that we have to prioritize rest? And actually, I've learned in my own life, you have to plan to rest. Because it doesn't just happen easily. A lot of times we get overwhelmed with the busyness of our schedule, and then everything seems chaotic, and we're wondering, God, where are you? I don't know your voice anymore. I don't know what's happening in my life. I don't know the direction I'm going in. I'm just moving, 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 moving. But again, what did we learn last week? It actually requires active faith to receive the gift of rest. What does that mean? That means you believe God, you trust God over your situation so that you can sleep soundly, so that you can observe and remember all that God is doing in your life and what he will do for the future. Remember, Jesus said, out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, all you who are weary and have heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Look at somebody next to you and tell them Jesus will give you rest but you have to believe it to receive it. And will you receive that gift for you today? And I started thinking about this. And so I have a question for you. How does Jesus bring rest into our life when we live in a culture that tells you to grind, grind, grind until you die, 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 right? And a culture that tells you keep going, never slow down, get up at 2 a.m., go ahead and dive into work. If you feel tired, run some laps, you know, just keep going, don't give up. How do you rest? And what God has given you. And if you were here last week, also I talked about uh, this passage out of the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 and 2. In this passage of scripture, David is talking about the good shepherd. All right. Do you remember what the good shepherd will do? Let's read it together. He stated that the Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. He satisfies me. He fulfills my every need. Okay, I don't need anything else, but listen to this. He makes me lie down. Go ahead and underline that sentence right there. He makes me lie down in what? In green pastures, not just anywhere, but in green pastures. And then he leads me beside still waters. Jesus is the good shepherd because he will make you lie down. Now think about that. He will make you lie down even if you don't want to, even if you're complaining. But God, I have so many things to do right now. I can't lie down. No, he is the good shepherd because he's not giving you a suggestion, right? Remember, biblical rest, a Sabbath is what? A command from God. And anything God commands for your life is a blessing over your life. And he showed us this example for God himself rested out of the book of Genesis. And we talked about that last week. But Jesus is the good shepherd because he will make you lie down. And here's something I learned that I did not know before that I thought was pretty cool. Did you know that sheep don't like to lay down? Did you know that? Sheep do not like to lay down. In fact, it's very difficult for them to actually lay down. There must be four requirements in their environment for them to feel like they can lay down. Let me show you. The first requirement is this. They must be free from fear. Think about that. For a sheep to trust the environment it's around, the sheep must feel like they are free from fear because the good shepherd is protecting them and taking care of them. So uh, the sheep know that the shepherd is watching over them. Uh, number two is this, there must not be friction in the flock. Now this kind of made me laugh. There needs to be no tension. 
No drama, okay? There can't be no bully sheep going around pushing the other sheeps around, okay? Because otherwise, the shepherd is going to handle up. Hey, quit that, which means there must be unity in the flock. Think about that. The good shepherd makes you feel safe in your environment. And whenever there's discord, God will bring unity into the environment that you're in because why? We know that we all hear the spirit of God and where the spirit of God is, there is freedom and there is unity in believing in what God can do. But number three is this, listen to this, no pesky insects. The good shepherd will actually spray around the sheep to make sure that they're not stung, that they're not bitten by these pesky insects. In your life, the good shepherd will make sure that the peskiness of anxiety and stress doesn't overwhelm you doesn't overtake you and defeat your mind, okay? And take out your rest. No, the good shepherd is watching over you. But the last is this, the fourth requirement is this. Sheep must be fed. Hallelujah. I think a lot of us can say amen to that. Thank you, Jesus, that we get fed. But listen, I learned this about sheep. A hungry sheep will never lie down unless it's about to die. If they're hungry. So they have to be fed. They have to be full. And notice what uh, David is saying about this passage of scripture. He said, you will lie down in what? Green pastures. Meaning that the good shepherd will control and maintain the environment around you so that everything you need is right there. Because in the land of Israel, that was hard to do. They had to really work on the land to make sure that the food was plentiful and all these things were there to meet their needs. Jesus will meet your needs because he is the good shepherd. And David is saying, listen, the green pastures, that's the word of God. The word of God filling you up where you'll never go hungry again. And so all these promises for your life, this hope for your life comes by his word. You could be fed every day. And because of that, you can lay down. You can sleep. You can trust the Lord. And people will look at you like you're insane. What is wrong with you? This happened in your family. Or this, these trials are going on around you right now. Or you just lost your job. How can you be smiling right now? Because I know God's got me. I know what he's spoken over me. And yes, right now, this is hard. But I trust him. And I know that what he has for me is good. Remember Proverbs. Chapter three, verse 24, you can go to bed without fear and you will be able to lie down and sleep soundly. But every time this subject is brought up, right? Most people kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, pastor, I mean, it's, it's just rest. Like, I know it's a commandment from God. I know that God rested on the seventh day and he told us to rest, but it's just rest. It's not like I'm murdering somebody. It's not like I'm committing adultery. It's not like I'm stealing something. Who am I going to hurt? Listen, if you keep going and never stop and rest in what God is doing it, doing in your life, you're going to try to control too much. And eventually that's going to cause emotional death, spiritual death. I have seen people walk away from a relationship with God because they felt burned out by the church. And it pains me. And it hurts my heart. And for a long time, I believed within ministry to be a good pastor meant that I must go, 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 answer every call, be everywhere, go nonstop and completely ignore my own family because I was everywhere else. And I remember going into ministry, uh, a pastor told me, says, please don't ever follow my example in that because I made too many mistakes. And now me and my wife have been separated because I was never there for her. 
I put everything else before her. And sometimes your spouse or the people that you love the most may feel neglected because you're trying to achieve all these other things. Will it really matter in the end? Will it matter in the end? When you're on your deathbed, are you gonna talk about your achievements? Yes, I'm about to die. Please bring me my 70-inch TV. That'd be nice. Everybody, come look at my car. Come look how big my truck is. That's my house. No. When you're on your deathbed, you call for your loved ones because that's all that matters. And God wants you to enjoy this. This is a gift from the Father because everything good comes from above. And Jesus stated it like this. At Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Think about that. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people. Jesus is stating the Sabbath is a gift for you. It is for your benefit to understand the balance of life. Because even within ministry or something you love to do, if you do it every single day and every day all you see is deadlines, eventually you're going to start to hate it right? And God doesn't want that for you because then you start hating the relationships around you. You're never in a good mood and we don't listen to the Lord because we don't know how. So Jesus was saying, listen, this is a gift for you to benefit your own life because God himself didn't need to rest, but he rested on the seventh day to show us this balance in life. He made this important because he knows what you need. That changes everything. Think about that. He knows what you need in every situation. Every time you pray and you feel like God's not hearing you or you feel like it's not happening quick enough, the things that you want to see in your life. Listen, God knows what you need and exactly the time that you should receive it. Okay. But I I see this challenge, especially within ministry, because it's kind of like a moral dilemma. Like, God, are you really telling me to rest when I should go out and do this and that and that? But a lot of us are just keeping us busy. We're so busy that are you really seeing fruit in your life? And I realize this. Listen to me. Resistance to rest is immaturity. Resistance to rest is immaturity. I call it the toddler mentality. Anybody in the room have toddlers or small children or maybe you're a grandparent, right? And you have grandkids. Go ahead and raise your hand. All right, we got a few, we got a few. When your child or a small child starts acting up, they start fussing, they start crying, they start stomping their feet, they start hitting their sibling, what do you usually say? Oh, you need to go to sleep. You need to take a nap. You're being very grumpy right now. Some of you said it to your spouse this morning on the way to church, right, or your friends. Um, You need to go to sleep right now because we can tell you're tired. What does the kid say? Does the kid ever agree? No, no, there is no kid in the world that will look at you and be like, yes, mother, thank you, father. I shall go lay down now. Thank you for this revelation that you've given me. No, they stomp their feet. They cry louder. They run around. I don't want to go to sleep. But then what happens? When you put them to bed, immediately they're knocked out. Why? Because a good parent knows when their child needs rest. The good shepherd knows that you need rest. He knows that you need to make rest a priority in your life. Otherwise, you're going to feel overwhelmed by the life around you, by all these things that you have to get done. So the title of today's message is this, and maybe you can relate. The title is, I can't stop 
overworking. I just can't stop overworking. Maybe you're having a hard time right now trusting God and resting in his promises because you feel like you're trying to get everything done right now. And so here's what I wanna do. For the entire sermon, I'm gonna show you three points today. I've been on a roll with that, so you're welcome. But just three points um, of why you may be overworking, but also some biblical truths that can set you free from that, okay? So point number one is this. You overwork when you become impatient. You overwork when you become impatient. God, I want it to happen right now. I know that you spoke this promise over me. Can it take place today? Can it take place this week? God, you're moving a little bit too slow, so I don't know if you heard me. So maybe I should do some extra work to make it happen right now. Job chapter 20, verse 18 states it like this. They are unable to relax and enjoy anything that they've actually worked for. What does it mean that you're working so hard that you can enjoy what God has given you? It may look like this. On your days off, you don't take a day off. On your days off, you may be catching up with busy work, but there's other things that I got to do with my job. And so in taking time, instead of taking time with your family, with evaluating what God has spoken over your life, you're just busy, busy, busy trying to get these tasks done that honestly could be done tomorrow. I struggle with this. I have an unrealistic list in my life of things that I want to get done. And a lot of times I look at that list and say, I want to get it done today. Or I need to get all these things done this week, okay? To really see the Lord move, I want all these things done this week. It rarely ever happens. But here's what I notice: Things prosper better as long as I focus on a little at a time. And trust that God knows best that this right now, yes, it will happen, but it's not meant to happen at this moment. And I keep working towards those goals. But do you have an unrealistic list right now and you're constantly busy and neglecting the people that you love, that God is telling you to admire and be around? Maybe you can relate to this as well. Maybe you're always in a hurry. Let me ask you this. Do you ever feel guilty for resting? Because as soon as you rest, your mind goes to all the other things that you need to take care of, the things that are on that checklist that I just talked about. And maybe you're saying, God, I'm working so hard. Can you make it happen? Can I, can I just get that blessing now? The full blessing, God, come on. I know you can do it. I'll just show you something. Are you ready for God's answer? Let me state this first. God will give you a little at a time because everything you want right now is too much for you to handle. God will give you a little at a time because everything you want right now is too much to handle. So let me show you out of the word of God why this is true. I told you last week that God spoke to the Israelites and told them that he had a land for them flowing with milk and honey. And I shared with you out of the book of Hebrews that they never were able to walk into that rest. Why? Because of their unbelief. They did not trust that God could deliver the land over to them. Why? Because as soon as they showed up, they said, oh, Moses, there's some big people here. Moses, there's some strong people here. I don't think we can actually take this land that God already said is yours. In fact, what did I tell you last week? That God already said, listen, there are enemies there. Here are your enemies. I will go in and take care of them for you. Here's actually what he spoke. Exodus chapter 23, verse 27 and 28. 
Notice how many times God said, I will, okay? Not you, but I. God said, I will send my terror ahead of you. And I will create a panic among all the people whose lands that you invade. I will make all your enemies turn and run. Some of you need to underline that right there. If you feel attacked today. And this is why, listen, this is why God says forgive. This is why God is telling you to release it, to let it go. Allow God to handle your enemies. It's not up to you. But this is also peace in our life, to trust him because he will go and he will make your enemies turn and run. And then God said, I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites. All these enemies there, these big people, these mighty warriors, I'll go in there for you. You're good. And that's what drives me insane, that they got all the way there. They saw the promise right in front of them, and then they decide to turn around. God already told them. There's enemies there. I'll take care of them. But you know what also God made clear? You ready? God said, I can remove every enemy there, but I'm not going to do it all at once. Think about that. God spoke to the Israelites. I can remove every enemy before you, but I'm not going to do it all at once. I'm not going to do it in a single year. Do you realize the power of God? He could have got rid of the enemies in an hour. Within seconds, God could have removed every one of them. But why would God say something like that? Because God always knows better for your life. He always knows what you need, why you need it, and how much you can handle in the moment. Exodus 23, verse 29 and 30. God said, but I will not drive them out in a single year. He's saying I could, but I'm not. Because the land would become desolate. And wild animals would multiply, they would threaten you. So instead, God is stating, I will drive them out a little at a time. Blessings, a little at a time, until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. Here's what I love. God is stating, the full blessing is here. But if I got rid of the enemies right now, the land is too much for you to maintain. It's too much. You can't handle all of it. And so because you can't handle it, these wild animals, okay, will start to grow in numbers and then they're gonna come after you and then the land's going to be unsafe. Which means God is giving you a blessing a little at a time to protect you from what's unsafe. Some of the things that you want all together, guess what? There aren't people, there, there are people out there that aren't always happy with what you get or what God has given you in your life. And so people get angry or jealous and these attacks can come your way. So God knows exactly what you need in the moment. And he's speaking this over the Israelites. You can't handle the full blessing right now. It's too dangerous. But look at some of the blessings that God actually promised them. In Exodus chapter 23, Verse 25 and 26, God said, listen, I will bless you with food and water. You won't go hungry. You won't go thirsty. He said, I will protect you from illness. You'll be able to multiply because you won't get sick. He said, there will be no miscarriages or infertility. infertility I can't speak this morning. Infertility in the land. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting tongue tied today. Blessing after blessing a little at a time. Why? Because what God spoke over them was going to happen.
but they had to believe it in order to receive it. And God was stating, listen, I will make you grow so that you can handle the full blessing. But until then, you have to wait. And here's what I realized. Can you imagine if God gave you everything you wanted right away? You ever had that conversation about your future with your spouse or, or somebody you're looking to get in marriage with and you're saying, you know what, how many kids do you want? Four? And then you get married and God's like, quadruplets, boom. Just like that. But God, I, w- I wasn't talking about that. Can I just get a little bit more time? I'm not ready for that right now. And I started to think about this. There's a, there's a man in our congregation in this church that I believe that God speaks to um, that is always following the Lord and what the Lord has for him. And he came up to me recently and said, I had two dreams back to back about this church. And I've noticed within my own life too, if there's a dream back to back, it's confirmation. I've talked about that. God will reveal things twice to show you that it's important that you need to listen up, okay? So when he spoke that immediately, I started to listen. I wanted to see the dream. He said in the first dream, um, he walked into the church, the building was huge and there were people everywhere. And everybody was dressed in white and the Holy Spirit was present and the presence of God was here and he could just feel this. But he kept looking around the entire place saying, where did these people come from? Where did all these people come from? And then he woke up and then he went back to sleep and had another dream right after that. And he was back in the building, saw tons of people still asking the question, where did they come from? But then he saw a book and he said, the book was opened in the dream. And in the dream, it actually said how many people attended the church. And he saw it and he said 2,000. 2,000 people attending Alternate Church in his dream. And immediately when he told me, I believed it. And I received it because I've also had dreams. I've also had confirmations. And I've seen what God is going to do. I've seen that people will come here to understand and feel the presence of God and their lives will be changed. And so it got me excited, especially as a pastor. to See that type of growth and people just desiring the Lord like that. But let me also share this truth with you. Though I want it to happen, what would happen if it took place today? If 2,000 people today showed up in this building, what would happen? Instead of a greeter at the front door, you would have a greeter pulling their hair out, running away from this place. Why? Because there are not enough seats to hold that many people yet. But listen, God is always preparing you for growth by growing you first. And he's doing this even for the church. And so I can rest. I've seen this vision. Other people have seen this vision. I can rest in what the Lord is doing today and trust that when it comes, we will be ready for that growth. And so the same thing too. Are you impatient right now? Are you overworking because you want things to happen right now the way you want them to happen? But you don't know that the blessing become desolate or that you can't handle all of it. So stop overworking, trying to maintain what you can't. Okay, point number two is this. You overwork when your value comes from your position. You start to overwork when your value comes from your position. When you meet somebody new, what do they usually say? What is your name? What do you do? What do you do for a living? And so a lot of us look at our position as our value. And I realize that this is also what the first generation of Israelites suffered with. Let me show you. In Exodus chapter 32, Verse one, it states this, when Moses had went up to Mount Sinai to collect the 10 commandments, Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. But to the Israelites, that was too long. They didn't wanna wait 
much longer. And so they took it into their own control. And this is what the verse says. Exodus 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And so here's what took place. I want you to understand this. The Israelites quickly did not understand why God was taking so long. They became impatient. And because the promise was not happening right away, they went right back, listen, to their old identity. The identity that the Egyptians had given them. They started serving the gods that the Egyptians served. Instead of realizing that God freed us and he has this blessing for my life, that he's taking us into something better, they went right back to the old identity that was around them. But listen to this. When I read this, this made me mad. Imagine how God felt. Exodus chapter 32, verse four. Then Aaron took the gold. He melted it down and molded it into a shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, listen, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. What happened? Let me explain. Moses was up the mountain getting the Ten Commandments for 40 days and 40 nights. They became impatient. And so their identity was still in who they used to be, what the culture of the Egyptians used to speak over them. And now they completely forgotten what God has done. Can you imagine God looking down like, what did you just say? Like who freed you from Egypt? Who did these mighty miracles in your life? Immediately they started going back to the Egyptian culture. These gods set us free. These idols can't set you free. And Moses came down and he was angry and he broke the Ten Commandments because of their disobedience. When will they learn to be obedient and believe in what God is doing? Trust. But I believe God is speaking to us in the same way because we read this and we ask the question, how could they do something like this? How could they forget God? But do you realize that we forget God when our position becomes our identity? For so many of us right now, we are chasing a position more than we're chasing time with God. I hear it all the time. Well, I would go to church or I would read my Bible more or I would be able to hear from God, but I'm just so busy. Busy doing what? Chasing things? that in the end don't matter, that just distract you from what God actually wants to speak in your life. Can I ask you some serious questions today? And I want you to think about this. Is your position your idol? Does your position provide for you or does God provide through your position? Let me say it like this. If you lost your job today, do you still have value? You still value, or you're pursuing everything else to feel worth in your life. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 15. A decent day's work so fatigues fools that they cannot find their way back to town, meaning you are working all the time that you don't even know what you're working for anymore. You're on the go, go, go. You work, 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 and you feel, you're feeling like you have no purpose. Let me ask you right now, what are you chasing more than God? 
I'm chasing this title and this position because if I get in this position, I have more wealth and, and I'll know that I can, I can provide a better life and I can have all this happiness. But do you realize that some of the most successful people in this world are still miserable on the inside? Only God gives you your joy, a joy that this world can never steal. Proverbs chapter 23, verse four and five states it like this. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich, but be wise enough to know when to quit. Listen to that. Be wise enough to know when to quit, when to stop, when to rest, because in the blink of an eye, wealth can actually disappear, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. What is the real reason we do this? I started to think about the life of the Israelites, especially as they were slaves in Egypt. And I can't imagine some of the things that they heard about them, about their value. I'm sure they heard many choice words about who they were, how they weren't good enough, right? And I'm sure that there were words spoken over their life that they never forgot, that they brought. When God was speaking over them and saying, hey, this promise is for you, I'm sure they still remembered how somebody said that they were worthless, that they would never have anything good in life. And so my question for you is this. What if somebody spoke over you? What if somebody spoke over your life, over your identity, over your value that has stayed with you to this day? That you still struggle with every single day, that you're trying so hard to prove yourself to other people because you want to make sure that they know you can make it, that you can be somebody. Maybe it was a boss who never saw how much you tried, who always said you weren't good enough or can't make it. And so you felt like if you overwork, you can prove to your boss, but still everything you try to do, your boss wasn't noticing. For a lot of us, maybe it was a failed relationship, an ex that said you were worthless, that you would never amount to anything, that you'll never get a real job, that these things won't happen for your life. And you felt it because they were supposed to be the person you loved the most and trusted. Maybe you always felt judged or compared to your siblings. Maybe there's a sibling that made more or had more and you always felt like you weren't good enough to be like them. What have you heard that makes you feel like you have to prove some, some, to somebody today that you have identity and value? When your identity comes from people, listen to me, there will always be conditions. When your identity comes from people, there will always be conditions. But the truth is you don't need approval from people to be happy. What do I mean? To please people. There are conditions in your life that if you just have one slip up, one mess up, they may leave you and break that friendship or no longer be there for you. But in Christ, we have value that will never leave. Your approval comes from Jesus. But do you really believe it though? Do you really believe it? That your identity is in Christ and not what other people think about you. That it doesn't matter how much you make or what you do. Yes, if you have goals in your life, go after those goals. It's not a bad thing. But do you trust still that your value is in what God has spoken over you? That what he has for you. Listen to this. James chapter 1, verse 18. says it like this. He chose to give birth to us, meaning new life, by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. 
God sees so much value in you that he set you apart from the rest of creation. God sees so much value in you. You need to listen that he sees you more important than the moon and the stars and the diamonds around us, okay? God sees so much value in you that he's created you in his own image. And without a job, you still have value. Without all these achievements that other people have, you still have value. You still have a purpose, but it's so easy for us to believe the lies of the enemy. To believe everybody else and what they said about us because their love may come with conditions. But God set his value on you. More important than anything else in this creation. And my last point is this. You overwork when you have envy for somebody else's life. You start to overwork when you have envy for somebody else's life. Did you know that this was the main reason Solomon stated why people never stop? Solomon said, this is the main reason we just keep going and we never stop and we want to catch up with everybody else. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. Then I observed that most people, he stated, are motivated to success because of what? Because they envy their neighbors. And he says, this too is meaningless like chasing the wind. But you want to know what this looks like today? A lot of times when we should be resting at home, instead of looking at what God has given us, right? And we're tired and we're worn out. God, I know I should rest in you and enjoy what you've given me, but I feel like I don't have enough. I feel like I failed. And so what do we do? Most of us know this life. Instead of going to bed, we get on the phone and we scroll and we see what other people have what other people are doing. Well, they achieved this or they bought this house, they bought that car. They're able to put their kids in sports or able to do dance for their daughters or all these things. And I want that in my own life. And so at 10 p.m., we're looking on the phone. At 11, we're looking at the phone. At midnight, we're looking at the phone. At 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., rabbit hole begins. Consumes you. You got the TV on. You got all these distractions around you, putting all these thoughts in your mind that you're not good enough. This is why we overwork. We're trying to prove to people that we're somebody. Yet we're not happy doing it. And I realize it's in those times that God is saying, you need to rest because what happens when we're up all night trying to chase these things? Oh goodness, TikTok just told me four ways I can have four new jobs. And here's what I noticed because I can be an overthinker sometimes. I get really creative and I have all these ideas. But sometimes overthinking is my enemy because I'm thinking of so many things to get done, it's unrealistic and I get nothing done. And then I get frustrated. And then I stayed up all night trying to work on something. And instead, I wake up more tired than the night before. And this is the pattern that we live over and over and over again. But God is saying, listen, yes, work. Work is not a bad thing. Have goals in your life, but remember a Sabbath. Remember a day of rest. It's a command to have balance in your life, to understand that all good things come from the Lord. And so my question is, why are you doing this? And for me, it was always to keep up, to keep up with somebody else's happiness, to keep up with somebody else's purpose. 
Sometimes even to live the life that they have because I didn't like my life at the moment. And I realized this, that comparing your life to everyone else will rot your soul. But listen, rest will keep you alive. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 states it like this, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life, but jealousy can rot it away. And some of the most successful people on the outside have some of the most damaged souls trying to prove to everybody and they feel alone. So let me remind you what our purpose is on this earth because Jesus said it like this, Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. But what did he say was equally as important, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself for no other commandment is greater than these. You know what that means? That means that envy stops you from loving people. When you're jealous of what everybody else has, you no longer see them as a child of God. You no longer see the value in, your, in their life. You just want what they have. And so you overwork, listen, to chase somebody else's dream. And you miss the dream that God actually has for you. What is God speaking over you today? And I was reminded of this in my life. There was a time not even that long ago that I was really excited to work at a church kind of for the wrong reasons. I'll be honest with you. It was for the position, it was for the title. Yes, God was directing me that way and I know that. But while I was there, all I can think about was proving everybody else wrong. Hey, look what I did, look what I was able to achieve in my life. And so I overworked, 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 overworked. I never stopped, I kept going and I realized something in my life that I was leaving before my kids woke up and I wouldn't get home until they were already asleep. I barely saw my wife. Every day, I was doing more work. And even when I should rest, I was trying to catch up with the busyness that I had to get done. Why? To prove to other people that I should get this position. And what's crazy is that in the end, I didn't get the position. It didn't even happen. And there was no real explanation over it or anything like that. And so I asked God, how come I'm trying to prove myself so hard? I'm trying to do all these things, Lord. But I felt convicted because God was telling me, you're trying so hard to prove it to other people, but you don't care about what I actually have for your life and what I'm doing right now. And it was in that season that I was jobless that I learned to rest in the Lord because I had nothing to prove. I had no job but I learned to trust him. And God always provided and did things that I never thought he could do. And it was because of that season of rest that Authentic Church was planted. That this ministry is here today. That that's in place, it's okay, you can clap for that. But I realized for me that God had to grow me in order to receive the growth, the full blessing that he had for me, okay? And there are some days I feel like I have it all together. There are some days I don't. Today, I stumbled on my words a lot. I don't care because I believe God is speaking to you and I believe you are meant to be here. I believe you are meant to hear this sermon today and I believe there's a revelation for your life and that God can change something in you. But God may tell you, hey, sit down, take a breather and enjoy my rest for you. Enjoy what I'm doing because the full blessing will come. But God may give you little blessings at a time. So don't become impatient. 
Don't try to control things. And I love this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this. Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? What is God saying? Rest. Trust me. Because what does the good shepherd do? He keeps you safe. He creates unity. He shields you from anxiety and stress that will overtake your life. And he keeps you fed and full with everything you can possibly need. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you've been blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss future messages. And if you feel led to give to this ministry, check out the link in the description and see the other ways you can get connected.